and welcome to episode 14 of Dude and a Monkey. I'm joined as ever with my co-host, Mr Ian Loring. Ian. Oh, hi, sorry, yes, hello folks. It's been a while since we've done this, it, I've forgotten the... Uh... The protocol. Uh, yeah, we've, we've, yeah. We, were, we were missing last week um, because um, around about this time last week we were getting ready to take one of the scariest hard rides we've ever had. Um, it was a wonderful time, we were both a little bit hungover and we drove along the side of a cliff and held each other in our own sweet embraces. Uh, it really was. And this has nothing to do with Ian's driving, Ian's driving is impeccable, it's just the fact that we're both very scared people. Um, on yeah. this week's show we will be discussing Steven Soderbergh's latest um, last film before retirement side effect. Um, we will be looking at uh, one old, one news, and uh, we're not going to be doing discussion piece. What we decided to do um, is, we're only going to do discussion pieces if there's actually something to discuss rather than just us babbling about nothing. So if something happens during the week before I record, if it's a big movie event or a big movie story, we'll certainly discuss it. If there's anything that people out there would particularly like us to discuss, uh, email in to doingthemonkey.gmail.com. Please segue, beautiful. Um, and we'll, we, you know, we'll, we'll look at discussing it if we think it's interesting. If not, then sorry. Now my joke will probably discuss it anyway. Um, and we are getting back to our Oliver Stone sleazy stone marathon with Thing from Adam's Family origin film, The Hand. So here's a quick trailer from Side Effects, and then we'll get into that. I can make that happen. You remember this beautiful lady here? Hi. How have things been going with you? I can finally sleep. I have some energy. We had sex. Whoever makes this drug 
to go in if you're rich. 911, what's your emergency? I need help. Someone's been murdered. There's been an incident. What do we do? No sign of forced entry, no sign of struggle. Where's her lawyer? She doesn't have one. Just kept talking about you. I don't understand why this is happening. You know her? Would you have treated her differently if she was a man? That's not what happened. And what is going on? I put her on a blixer. I don't think you should be my doctor anymore. I think she requires more observation. Someone gets punished. It's all gonna go away. It's gonna follow you around forever. I had no idea this was going on. Stop! You've been lying to her, and he was lying to me. I would never be here if it weren't for you. I want my life back! You know I'm not crazy. Everyone knows everything. Em, are you awake? <laughs> Destroy that before it destroys you. You heard a quick trailer from Side Effects there, uh, but before that, we're going to introduce a quick new little feature um, called Hey Ian, what trailers did you see? Uh, this week, trailers. Um, I can't remember actually if it was in the last week or just since the last time we recorded, but Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs 2, uh, fantastic, um, fun stuff. Looking forward to that one. Uh, the Conjuring, which was an interesting trailer. Did you see this? I haven't seen it yet. No, no. I've, I've seen the Cloudy and Chance of Meatballs one, um, and I'm less enthused than I was about the first one. But that might be just because it's it's different directors. Mm. Uh, you know, there's a leak on the boat was fantastic. Yeah, um, that was pretty nice. Then again, in saying that, it's written by one of the guys who wrote Horrible Bosses, which I actually found quite amusing. Uh, that doesn't bode well. <laughs> um, also, yeah, The Conjuring, which um, was a weird trailer because it was more like it was a trailer at the start and then it just played out a couple of the scare scenes. Um, but very, very, very interesting looking scares in that. Um, it, the, the, there's a clapping motif, which is pretty fucking awesome. And the last... The last image of the trailer I thought was uh, very, very interesting. I'm looking forward to The Conjuring and uh, the fact they moved it to a summer um, release date because test audiences responded really, really well to it. I think bodes very well. Um, uh, trailer for Oblivion, which looks bland as shit. Um, yeah, it does, doesn't it? Uh, which is a shame. Uh, I'm 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 a ve- I'm a massive apologist for Tron Legacy, and uh, Joseph Kaczynski also directed this, but it just it doesn't really look like anything. Um, the fact it's coming out in, in like just early April, I don't think bodes well for it. it, it like Universal seems to just know it's 
one that maybe wouldn't be able to compete if it was like if there was another big film out the week after and a big film out the week before. Whereas with Oblivion, it's early April and then I think the week it's got two or three weeks until Iron Man in the UK yeah. to actually make money. So it stands more of a chance. I mean, Iron Man doesn't come out in the US till like May the 7th or May the 9th or something. We've got like a, a maybe a two week head start on it. Two weeks, yeah. For some reason. Uh, I think yeah, it's which is because bizarre. both uh, Avengers and Iron Man played, uh, and Dark Knight were early in the UK and played out very well, didn't they? Yeah, I, that, it's like that's it's it's becoming a bit of a trend that things are actually coming out worldwide before the US. Um, which is odd, but um, yeah. So that's that. Speaking of Iron Man three, new trailer for that, which uh, was good. Um, yeah, very very good. Uh, it looks like Downey Junior might actually have to do a little bit of acting in this one, which could be interesting. Well, yeah, I, I, um, I think the thing I'm most looking forward to about um, Iron Man three isn't isn't the fact that it's a new Iron Man film; it's the fact that it's a new Shane Black film. Yeah, yeah, quite. Uh, and I mean, like, they're, they're talking about, like, styling it as a conspiracy thriller and just, like, the fact that it's, it's a, what, it, in the context of the Marvel Universe, it's a standalone film. Like, I'm sure it'll have some sort of links, but it's supposed to be quite the self-contained story. And I have a feeling that Shane Black's only going to be on for this one. You know, and um, like they've, they've been saying that they've been wanting to recall conspiracy thrillers and, like, Frankenheimer and, uh, you know, that that sounds interesting to me, but then also with men in robot suits kicking the shit out of each other as well. But, um, you know, is what it is. Uh, the hangover part three. Um, I laughed at the trailer. Sorry, I did. But then I thought the hangover part two was better than the hangover. So I'm just obviously not with the majority on that one. Yeah. I I have, I have absolutely no problem with the hangover films. Um, yes, I, I, I can agree with people that the second one, is basically the first one just in a different setting. But you know what? They made me laugh enough to make them worthwhile. Uh, I, I genuinely don't get the absolute hate behind these films. Uh, it seems to be because they made a lot of money, people hate them. The, the, the thing is, like, the first one, I just think, is inc- just very overrated. The second one is like some sort of subversive practical joke where Todd Phillips just kind of thought, I wonder if I can get actually, just as an experiment, I wonder if I can get away with just doing the same film again, <laughs> but making it sleazier and darker. Like, it, the, like the whole, and the, I mean, like the cinematography is all so sweaty yeah. and just like kind of gross. <laughs> and that kind of feeds into the film itself. And, um, it's it, it's just an oddity is the hangover part two um whereas it does look like with part three they've kind of like i think they've kind of realized all right we kind of do have to give people what they want with this one um but i mean we'll, we'll see i'll watch it i mean fuck i genuinely think part two is a better film than part one so there you go uh, I, I i like the fact that the poster is taking the piss out of harry potter i just think that's a it's just such a, a dick move to pull, but it, it just works for some reason. I mean, even with the same tagline. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, I, I it, it just like that. And that, I think that feeds into the whole just kind of, it, it's like the hangover just like somehow became like the biggest R-rated comedy ever through happenstance. 
and now they're just seeing how much they can take the piss. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's amazing that these films cost together around $115 million for the first two, and then it takes it up to just over 160 for all three of them. And if the third one grosses as much as the other two did, you're looking at a gross of a three movies for an investment of well under $200 million of over $1.5 billion. You know, that means that the, the, the success of those three movies will be equal to something like like one of the Harry, one of the Harry Potter movies. I mean, that is... It's an extraordinary success story. And I, do, I just don't think they know how they've done it. I think they've just... They've, they've fluked it and they've thought, you know what? Let's do a trilogy and then let's... I really hope they go, three, bang, it's done. Don't they won't do. They they won't do any more. No, they, I, like at least with this cast, they won't unless they like spin it off into director video starring other people. Yeah, I I can't see them doing that. I think they've they've definitely gone. Do you know what? We've all got very rich off this. You know, Bradley Cooper um, and Zach Galifianakis are both on apparently like fifteen million dollars each for this movie. They won't get fifteen million dollars for another movie ever in their careers. That's a fair point. Um, and you, I think they've looked at it and got the studio. Gone right. We'll do. We'll do this. We'll do two more. But then that's it. But you, you, you pay us right. And the studio's gone. You know what? We're making fucking loads of money off this shit. Yeah, take it. Well, yeah, because I mean, like, I, I think I heard that like Zach Galifianakis was not too happy at all with having to be in part two, and like, because like the whole. Um, when Mel Gibson was going to cameo, and apparently he was the one who led the charge with, like, this is bullshit, what are you doing? Like, you can't have him in it. Um, but, I, I, but I, yeah, I think with part three, it is just the, we made a shitload of money, let's just go out with a bang. And, I mean, like, I mean, that poster, even that poster is taking the piss. The image of, like, Vegas on fire. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know that's not going to happen in this no. film. You know it's not. No. But... And it's like, and I bet people kick off when they watch the film and they're like, none of that stuff in the poster didn't happen. It, it, it's a massive practical joke, but the joke is on the audience because no matter how much people say The Hangover Part 2 was shit, it made a, like, a ridiculous amount of money. Yeah. Like, and that's not, that's not just because it's like, like the flyover states, like one film every four months like multiplex audience going to see it it like that the money that hangover part two made was because everyone went to see it and quite a lot of people probably went more than once mm. you know it, it just it, it's like the, the the i i don't know the whole kind of like what how did the hangover part two make so much money it's like taken two taken two made a lot of money because uh, everyone went to see it ted the same thing Ted, yeah. Ted made a lot of money because everybody went to see it. Ted made $500 million. I mean, that is is ridiculous. But people, it's the sort of film where you'll get a cross span of people will go and see it. That, that's the thing. I mean, it, it's weird to think that Ted was probably a fairly four-quadrant film. Mm. Like, it, it just somehow... it did, and, and as was The Hangover. That's the thing. Like, it just... It did it anyway. Let's let's move yes. on. Um, uh, After Earth, um, 
I, I mean, like, I, I'm looking, to be honest, I'm looking forward to Oblivion more because it's Joseph Kaczynski and I think he must have something up his sleeve. But I have preferred the marketing to After Earth as the two going back to Earth, like, centuries after we evacuated it kind of thing. Um, I think uh, this has had better marketing. Um, it, it looks good. Um, Will Smith kind of sounds like the voice he's putting on sounds kind of brutal. Um and I, I, you know, I, I'm very, very worried about M. Night Shyamalan. I mean, even though he didn't write this, but then again, the guy who did write it wrote, uh, who did write it wrote the Book of Eli, and the Book of Eli is great until the last ten minutes, and then it falls off an absolute fucking cliff. And the ending of the Book of Eli feels like the kind of thing that M. Night Shyamalan Ding Dong would be into. Yeah, he'd fucking love that shit. Except, yeah. except. He, he he'd be some kind of messianistic presence in there. Yeah, yeah, it would be like one of it would be um it would be the books of M Night Shyamalan and Ding Dong would have been the books that they were collecting yeah. at the end of the book of Eli. You'd have gone back and um, a collection of M Night Shyamalan and Ding Dong scripts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. This is the sacred text, Lady in the Water. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, did you see this trailer? No, I I have absolutely no interest in M Night Shyamalan and Ding Dong anymore. I, I'm fucking done with him. He makes shite, and people try and pretend it's good. And now people have stopped pretending it's good. He's still allowed to make shite. I just don't get it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, and I also think this is the one film where Jaden Smith actually has a chance to prove that he can do something. You know, because, like, so far, he's been in The Pursuit of Happiness with his dad. He's been in The Karate Kid, which was produced by his dad. And he's in After Earth with his dad. Yeah. You know, so it, it's like at some point the apron strings are going to have to be cut off. And to be honest, I think Will Smith's character is going to die fairly early on in this film. And it's then going to be Jaden Smith or he's or either that or he's going to die at the end of the second act. And then it's going to be Jaden Smith having to like basically step up. Mm. And if he's able to pull that off, then Jaden Smith might have a future in acting. But it's it's one of those things where it kind of like it feels like with the Karate Kid, he was just like. I'm really into karate, Dad. I want to do something karate, 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 karate. And Will Smith was like, okay, I'll buy the rights to the karate kid. You know, and, and, and with this, it's like, oh, Dad, I'm really into sci-fi now. Like, what? I want to do sci-fi, 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 sci-fi. He's like, okay, well, I'll get this script, you know. And it, it, it I don't know, uh, we'll, we'll see. Uh, but finally, uh, a, a brief new trailer for Star Trek Into Darkness came out with some more action-y beats in it. Uh, looking forward to it. You know, is what it is. It's, it, it's probably going to be absolutely fucking huge and it's the marketing is going to be all, all over the place in the next couple of months. Oh, without question, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's it. Cool. Right. Uh, I saw uh, the trailer for Trance. Um, and, uh, I prefer the Red Band trailer to the Standard Band trailer. The Standard Band trailer doesn't make me want to watch the film. The Red Band trailer really makes you want to watch the film. Uh-huh. Um, Saw the trailer for uh, Welcome the Punch. Looks like it could be a fairly entertaining British action film with a fucking horrible, horrible title. That title is very, very bad. Yeah, yes. it, 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 I mean, even if you called it Punch or something else, but Welcome the Punch doesn't make sense at all. Mm. Um, so yeah, not 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 feeling the title, but the film looks like it's perfect entertaining. However, it was quite strange that during my screening they went straight from. Welcome the Punch trailer into Trans trailer. 
which goes from McAvoy to McAvoy. McAvoy's man. I had that yesterday with side effects. Yeah. It went from mud to the paperboy. Oh, I didn't, I didn't get those two. I got different trailers. I saw it. You saw it in SeaWorld. Yeah. I saw it in a, in a view. So, um, mm. And um, saw the trailer for the first time. Honestly, oh, no, the most I saw it was um, the Jesse Eigenberg magician one. Um, oh, now you see me. Now you me. see me. Uh, which looks like, to be honest, like it is going to be fucking terrible but actually really fucking entertaining. Um, and uh, finally, saw the trailer for uh, The Place Beyond the Pines, and quite simply, it looks like it's going to be beautiful. Boom. Um, yeah. it, I, I think if that film isn't absolutely crushingly amazing, I, I, I will be so disappointed that I will weep like a child. Uh-huh. But then again, it's got Ryan Gosling, uh, you've got Bradley Cooper... Uh, and Ben Mandelson in a film. Those three guys tend to not really, when they're picking proper scripts, tend to not pick badly. Uh, especially Ben Mandelson. You, with the exception of Trespass, you don't really see a bad Ben Mandelson film. Mm. Right, so let's kick into our main review, which is of Steven Soderbergh's Side Effects. Uh, this is again um, another one where Soderbergh. Is this this is his last film, isn't it? Or is there another one? Has he got something else? Uh, behind the candle, Candelabra, uh, which is the um, the uh, Liberace biopic oh, with oh, Michael Caine. Oh, yeah. uh, that's going to HBO in the US, but apparently is getting a theatrical release in the UK. Yeah. So. Um, Anyone who follows um, Steven Soderbergh's career even slightly uh, will know that he has a habit of retiring and then coming back. Um, so I take his retirement with an absolute pinch of salt. Uh, He'll be back in a few. Yeah, days. he will be. He, he, he's, he's, well, we'll get we'll get onto my feelings about Soderbergh later on. Um, but Side Effects is a, a sort of thrillery kind of film, I would say. Uh, the idea is you've got Rooney Mara plays with one called Emily Taylor, who is a young woman uh, who around the the start of her marriage, her husband Martin um, is sent to prison for a white collar crime of insider trading. Um, He is just about to be released and it seems like Emily takes a slip back into depression and tries to kill herself. Um, She's then admitted into the care of Jude Laws Richard Richard Banks by it all the time Jonathan Banks uh, who is assigned to be her psychologist, and then things start getting a little bit kind of twisted, and things aren't quite what they seem. Uh, remember, on Dude and a Monkey, we are all spoilers, so we will. Yeah, spo- very important for this. Very one. quickly. So what I will say is, if you haven't seen side effects, you are really wanting to see side effects, or if you haven't seen side effects anywhere, skip past this review, or go and fucking see the film and then come back to it. So Ian. What did you think of side effects? Um, I, I quite, I quite liked side effects, and it wasn't, it wasn't quite a gut punching. Holy fuck, that was incredible uh, uh, experience for me. I will say, um, but I, I had quite a lot of fun with it. It's um, very stylish, um, very much uh, re- recalling uh, kind of Polanski, kind of um, the tenant, Rosemary's Baby, that that kind of era, Polanski, which is all good. Uh, you know, straight from the um, shot of the cityscape at the uh, the beginning with the uh, the kind of the music playing over the credits, and you know, which is is quite a Polanski kind of thing to do. 
Um, it, it, like, I think, I, I, you know, I, I, I did very much enjoy it, but I, maybe it was because of my preconceptions coming into it on, on a rewatch, which, I, you know, I will do. Uh, I'll, I'll readjust my thinking. But I was expecting it to be um actually we're, we're all, uh, all spoilers aren't we yeah. uh i i was i i was i was thinking it was going to be more about the pharmaceutical kind of stuff than it actually was i was kind of surprised how little that actually played into what is the narrative in the end of the day yeah um i thought whereas i mean sorry i've, I've just finished whereas contagion i thought was like it, it kind of used real world stuff and real world discussions with this kind with this kind of outbreaky ensemble virus drama side effects basically was a woman uses her knowledge of pharmaceuticals to fuck people over yeah absolutely I mean I think I I I, I went into side effects thinking it was it was a different film to be honest um, yeah yeah uh, because everyone to see it I kind of I, I watched the trailer but I, I avoided reading a lot about it um because I, I you know it, it was a film that I really wanted to to, to see um and I expected it to be kind of like more of an expose about the um pharmaceutical industry and how, you know and how it is this unbelievably powerful force in American business in American politics and all these types of things and then quickly found oh actually it, it, it's not is it it's it's um, it's a completely different type of film it's it's some kind of thrillery kind of you know double crossing kind of film only two seconds Sorry about that, dude. That's right. Um, so yeah, so it, it kind of it, it kind of snuck up on me a little bit there. Um, but I'll be honest, I, I fucking loved it. Um, I thought it was absolutely brilliant. It, it, it's it's Soderbergh in his element here, where he's 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 very much. It's obviously it's obvious that something like the pharmaceutical industry as a whole has taken his interest and. You know, he did Contagion, and then he's done this, and they're very much kind of like almost companion pieces to each other. Um, and it seems like with this, he's gone right. Well, I've done that side of it, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of like I've had this idea, and I'm gonna do this with it. Um, I thought the, the I think it's the best thing I've seen Jude Law in for a very long time. Um, he's he, he's become a little bit of one of those actors, Jude Law, where He's he, he kind of turns up and does a little bit and then kind of goes home um, to an extent. You know, obviously you've got the um, Sherlock Holmes movies, but in stuff like um, Anna Karina and, and Hugo, um, he, he kind of he's in them, but not really. You know, he, he's he's very much a a sidebar um, for them. Whereas this, he was you know it, it's as much his film as it is Rooney Mara's film, uh, and. Very much enjoyed it. I thought he was very good. Thought Rooney Mara continues to impress. Um, Catherine Zeta Jones was uh, was good. Um, at, at points, she was a bit of wobbly, uh, and Channing Tatum, I think, does what he's going to do in, in, in any Soderbergh films that he might possibly be in uh, in the future if Soderbergh decides to come out of retirement, where he's just going to turn up and kind of fill a hole, as to say. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought it was it was it was great. Um, it, it's very much like you say. There was a lot of sort of Polanski in there. Um, 
in terms of the way it's shot, but Soderbergh has this, seems to have this, there's still this way, uh, even though it's sort of 25 years since he made his first film and he's made a lot of films, he, he has this very confident way of shooting his movies where he mixes different shooting styles together. There was some very stacked shots and then there was some very sort of steady cam shots and some tracking shots, but he seems to have this this kind of reverence of, of trying to do sort of mix stuff up and, and sort of still sort of take chances, but has an absolute confidence and control over what he's doing. Yeah, no, absolutely. But I mean, it does feel defiantly Soderbergh. I mean, particularly with the cinematography as well. Like the 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 way he like. I mean, he was a pioneer of digital cinematography, but it almost kind of feels like um, he's using the same cameras that he's been using over the last few years. It kind of it like. I mean, I like the look of it, but it's like there are scenes where like if it's inside and there are lights on, the lights kind of blow out. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like the, yeah. the kind of the light, kind of like it, 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 it um, and, and it's like quite soft focus. And I mean, it must just be how he likes to do things. Um, but like, it, it, I, you see that kind of shooting style, and immediately I just think oh, that's a Soderbergh film. You can you can tell it straight off that 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 is what it is, and um, I, I don't think that's a particularly bad thing. But I do like. I, I don't think he makes the best looking films, if, but I don't think that, I don't think he's like super into that. You know, he, he's not David Fincher. It's not like the, the, like it, the, the visuals are not a, a priority, even though I don't think they are with Fincher as well. I just think he, he pays great attention to detail with them. Um, but yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I really, really liked it. I mean, like when I, when I came out of it, my head was kind of spinning a little bit. I was like, holy fuck. But, um, I, 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 I mean, it's. The, the, I, I have to wonder how much of the film, uh, the enjoyment of the film, comes from the the actual twists and turns rather than the character stuff. You know, like I, I mean, I like I, I thought there was a kind of a deliciousness to to the darkness. I mean, like. Jude Law's character, particularly towards the end, where he's pretty much reveling in fucking with us. Oh yeah, it, it, uh, I, I, I think that was it, it's a good touch because he he does come across as being you know a nice guy. You know he's not a bumbling idiot nice guy. He's just yeah. he's he just comes across as being just a general normal nice guy. You know he he wants to help people, but you know. But also, he wants to make some money while he's doing it. He, he he's a very normal person. I think Soderbergh's very good at, at making people appear like normal people. Um, he's not he's not too overblown. I think that was what worked with with Jude Law is the fact that he does turn and the fact that he's he's very affronted by the what's happened to him. But yeah, no, I, 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 absolutely. And I mean, like it, it's. I, it was—I don't know—it was kind of interesting though, because I've, like, I've been hearing other reviews and stuff, and he like, like apparently um, Jude Law when he—this um, was on the Empire podcast—when uh, he got the script, apparently he he spoke to Steven Soderbergh and asked, "Well, am I the good guy or the bad guy?" And um, Steven Soderbergh just said, uh, "Exactly, you know, you know." But whereas I don't know, I I didn't have that much of a moral dilemma with it. It was just like, all right, maybe he's put he, he's kind of pushing things, but then again, Rooney Mara, Mara's character completely fucks him over and 
you know, as she says herself, it was just because he was there. Mm. You know, it could have been anybody. She wasn't targeting him. You know, but like the 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 the, the ways that his character gets fucked. I mean, his his whole life is basically destroyed. But uh, but then by by the end of the film, it, 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 it I mean, I, I think you're supposed to question. Well, you know, has Jude Law gone off the deep end here? But for me, I was like, no, he got his revenge. Mm, I was I was exactly like, the same, yeah. You know, and I wonder whether that, like, like just based on what I've heard about this film and like, like the like the kind of the making of it, I have to wonder whether that might actually be a bit of a failure from Soderbergh's part for, like, the fact that he it was supposed to maybe feel more conflicted because I didn't. I thought it was very, very. I enjoyed the revenge he got. Like, like that scene at the end where she comes in and she's late and she's like, "All right, I'm here," you know, and he's like, "Right." I'm going to prescribe you this and I'm going to prescribe you this. And, you know, you know, because it's the whole kind like the whole kind of mindset of the once you've been called crazy, you can you can kind of protest as much as you want about not being crazy and no one will believe you. Yeah, he uses that very, very well. And it's it's, sorry, go go on. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, go on. on, on. It's the it's the, the, the wonderful way that he's kind of sat there. Just cannot say anything, but you, he's looking at her with these eyes of "got you," and <laughs> I, yeah, you, you have fucked with the wrong person. You thought you were smarter than me, and you weren't. But that's the. But I mean, like it, it's. I, I just I feel like we're supposed to think, oh, I'm not too sure how I feel about this. Whereas I, I, I was just like, yep, he's he's got a fucking brilliant good 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 and the, the way that she plays into that as well i will also say um i it, the, the thing is i it, it doesn't turn out to be like the big twist or anything like that but i never ever ever believed that it was the pills i never oh, no, i never ever I, ever believed it no I, I, when she the, the, the scene where she remember we are spoilers the scene where she stabs tatum um at that, at straight away I was thinking, well, she's, it, it's obvious that it's not the pills. But I mean, like, there was even a scene earlier on where um, she's in the bathroom at work. Yeah. And, like, she's just looking in the mirror and then she goes to throw up. Uh, it goes and throws up. And I was just thinking, like, I don't believe this. And I don't think, I don't think it's Rooney Mara's performance. I think it's... I, 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 I think it might be how she was directed, but also I don't think there's enough of like the uh, the uh, uh, elixir or whatever it's called. Uh, Belixor, is that whatever it's called? Um, it, there's not enough oh, in the elixir. film of her getting... Sorry? Elixir. Elixir, thank you. There's not enough of her doing well in in the film for me, for, uh, you know, for, for me to think like, okay, well... This is having a good effect on her, and, and now she's having these side effects. It like okay, um, she has good sex with Channing Tatum, and there's that scene where they're like walking out in the park, and she's all happy and stuff like that. And then straight away, it's like the side effects kick in, and then it's the, you know, should we be keeping her on this? Should we not? It it didn't for me. It, it didn't make it feel like. That she slipped deep enough. I, I, she didn't make me believe that she needed the elixir. Mm. Um, 
and, and I think I think that is a problem, even though the film's not predicated. Thankfully, it's not predicated on the um, is, is she is she right in her head or is she not? Because like the third act twists on that further, which I which I was pleased about. Well, see, I have a theory that that might be um, the, the best way to hide a twist is to do a fake twist. So, for instance, that. To me, it, this might just be me overthinking it. Um, that to me felt like, you know, even if, you know anybody who sort of understands cinema, and if you're going to see a Steven Soderbergh film at the beginning of March, when you've got Oz the Great and Powerful out the same week, you're going because you either you like cinema or you hope you're going to see Channing Tatum without his shirt on. That they're the two people that are going to see this film. Um, well, I, 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 in fairness, I think there's also folks who want a bit more of an adult alternative to Oz the Great and Powerful. Possibly, you know, yeah. there are just yeah. Um, but I, I think with with that is I I I wouldn't be surprised if Soderbergh intentionally kind of made it pretty obvious that it was it was not the pills because then you'd be thinking ah so the twist is it, it, it's how do they 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 work her out so you're not thinking about what's coming up in the third act and then that just goes bang you're like ah oh, nice yeah, um, yeah yeah it could be that that could be complete overthinking and afterthought and just a happy coincidence but yeah it's it, and then i mean we'll, we'll, let's get to the third act because the third act is 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 very good the fact that it's it's it, it's like some sort of throwback to some like early 90s erotic thriller yes and i i fucking love um yeah which is fine. late 80s early 90s um fucking erotica you know terrible you know when you've got big name stars doing you know films that usually in the mid 80s they wouldn't have done and that's what it did start to feel a little bit like towards the end of this you've got jude law going a little bit crazy um the whole um you know, his his previous patient when he was uh, at university in the UK thing. Um, I think that maybe if they'd have um, padded that out a little bit more and kind of made that more, um, give you more information about that and sort of thrown that one or way or the other, that might have um, opened up the ambiguity a little bit more and might have made you look so, at... I... Yeah, yeah, no, I'm agreeing. Yeah, Sorry, uh, I think that might have done that, but it, it, it seems like that was going to happen and Soderbergh decided, no, do you know what? No, we don't need that. I wouldn't be surprised if they filmed a scene between him and somebody where he admits that, yeah, he might have gone a little bit too far with this girl or something like that. Um, but also as well, what, what, just going off on a little um, side tangent here, um, Jude Law's missus, Vanessa Shaw, was a bitch... I, yeah. I was thinking, why do, why do you want to get back with her? She's a fucking sour-faced bitch. You know, you... You see, I, I also, in the kind of making him seem more ambiguous kind of thing, like, I almost thought the ending was going to be him fucking her over somehow. Yeah, well, I, I thought the ending... I, I, I thought, ooh, is the ending going to be him fucking driving off with Rooney Mara or some crazy shit like that? Um, which would have been very... Um, early 90s erotica style um but yeah because it does it does threaten to go wild things it does a little bit doesn't it yeah um but yeah it's it, it, it turns into being a, a a very kind of like 
a very suave-esque bastard uh, does, does Jude Law in this, which is wonderful. The fact that once he works out that he can fuck over um, Catherine Zeta-Jones and Rooney Mara and he's playing them off, that scene where um, where he's outside talking to Catherine Zeta-Jones and he keeps yeah. looking up at the window at Rooney Mara and essentially he's making her think one thing and telling he's fucking them both over and playing them against each other there and then. Uh, yeah. That's a wonderful scene. Yeah, no, I, I, absolutely. And, I mean, again, if we had a bit more character stuff for him, a bit more ambiguous character stuff, I think that bit maybe would have played a little bit more like, ooh, you sneaky little bastard. Whereas I was just like, fucking yes, come on. Yeah. You know, it, it's... It, it's that, that kind of... I don't know. It, it's almost going into the realms of misogyny or something where it's like women try to fuck him over and then he just basically kind of like he gets his revenge. I mean, to, I like that theme is very directly going to tie into something that we're going to talk about later on, I think, mm. uh, about a, a man and like men who hate women, essentially. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I, I, it just. No, the, yeah, I mean, it. it, it I, I like the twisty turny stuff. I I enjoyed. I just felt like it needed a little bit more character stuff. Like I thought it had enough with Rooney Mara. I mean, by the end where she's just basically this horrible spoiled bitch who you don't have an ounce of sympathy for. Like whenever she doesn't get her way, she just like kicks off in the worst way. Like when even early on where they're saying look, you gotta plead. Uh, not guilty on the grounds of insanity mm. and she's just like well you know what if i say no you know already she's just like and, and, and just whenever she doesn't get her way she i i i i think it's great that she's like the hurt little the the the, the, the hurt little bird early on and then like for the first half of the film then the second half of the film she is a fucking bitch yeah like i i really really like that i thought rooney mara did that well because and I, I, I almost kind of feel like maybe Rooney Mara maybe has the tendency to be a bit of a bitch or something. And so it's like informed by real life. But yeah, I mean, I liked her and I like Catherine Zeta-Jones uh, well enough. But I mean, it's like when the film started and Jude Law was first in the credits, I was thinking like, oh, that's interesting. Why is he first in the credits? But then it really becomes Jude Law's film. Yeah, because uh, I, I, I thought it was a good showcase for it's it. An, it's an and Channing Tatum. And I thought, oh, and that was what at first made me think, oh, right, so... He's just in it as like, as as her supporting husband, um, and then he's in prison. I was like, all right, ah, oh, he's not in prison for like anything bad, anything you know. Yeah. It's very much like say a white collar fucking crime, um, and then it kind of it throws. I think you know acting wise, I think it's like I said before, it's very good. There's a few moments where Catherine Zeta Jones tries to play too much of like um, a bitch. And she kind of she veers too far one way, and then she quickly reins it back in quite well. Uh, I thought that worked quite well. Um, but yeah, again, this is very much Jude Law's film, I think. Yeah, no, I, 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 absolutely. And um, I mean, the the, the the thing is, I think the marketing also um, somewhat blindsided me with the the Channing Tatum death because the trailer for the film. It's like 
Channing Tatum saying what's going on and then it cuts to um like the the kind of the reveal of those photos of um like Rudy Mari in a state of undress. Yeah. So it, it's almost like the Oblixer has been making her black out and do seedy things kind of a thing, you know. Where, like the the trailer for this film actually kind of paints a a different a different picture from what you actually get. Mm. Um it's it's kind of interesting. Like it really plays up the Oblixer angle, you know. Um, and, and I mean, like the the, the the kind of and and the fact that Channing Tatum would be in it more. Like when he got killed off, that was a massive massive surprise to me. I mean, one woman in the audience audibly like went, <gasps> you know, like really loudly. So like it it, it like I don't think I was the only one in my audience that it it, it um. Surprise! It, that it affected, no, it, yeah. It, when when she when she stabbed him, I was like, whoa! And then when she stabbed yeah. him again in the back, I thought, hang on a minute, is he gonna die? Because I thought at first that she'd stab him and she'd stab him again, and then he kind of like, get the knife off and wake her up, and she'd do the ah oh I was sleeping oh my god, and then the, and, and the next scene would be them saying no she's coming off it she's coming off. and then when she stabbed him in the back like oh my god he's gonna fucking die, and then we did like. Jesus, this shit just got fucking real. What the fuck? Um, yeah, and then it, yeah. it, it, but it moves along at a very, you know, it, it zips along at a hell of a pace. Um, so it, it works very well. Yeah, no, abs- absolutely. I mean, the film's about a hundred minutes long, and I mean, it really, um, uh, it, it, it really just yeah, clocks along at a good beat. And I mean, like the twists and turns. Um, propel the, the the second half and it, yeah i mean it, it it plays out really well it it just it was it was a bit more throwaway in both story and character than i was expecting it to be but i'm still definitely not shit on it yeah. absolutely definitely not shit I'm, I'm without question definitely not shit uh it's or oh, it's up there in my top three soderbergs for me um and for a man who's made as many films as he's made I think that that's quite a good praise for it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, yeah, it is. It's definitely there in my in my top three of, of Soderbergh's. Yeah. I mean, like, I would, I, 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 I like Contagion more. I like Haywire more. I like Ocean's Eleven and Twelve more. Twelve is an interesting piece of work. I, I wasn't um, a fan of the Ocean's films after Eleven. Tw- Twelve was like the first time I, I, I watched 12 it was actually uh the second date i ever had with donna um and uh we maybe weren't paying attention as much attention to the film as we should have been uh, um and, and yeah so um it um like it, it like that, that that film like does its best to really fuck with you but i watched it again and oceans 12 he does some really interesting directorial flourishes. It's incredibly stylish, and the way it fucks with time and whatnot is 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 pretty great. Um, I, I I must say, um, twelve I, I like it. That's a film that deserves a reassessment if you've only seen it the once and you weren't into it. I think. I'll give it another go then uh, on your recommendation. Mm. Right. So uh, side effects. We both said it decided it's definitely. Um, not shit. Um, so we're going to do some promos now and then we're going to move into our one old, one new. Actually, no, I have a quick thing to say about Soderbergh, actually. Um, I have a theory about Steven Soderbergh. 
Because um, if you look at it with Soderbergh, he has this thing of, uh, like we said, about retiring. Um, and, you know, he, whenever he retires, it's because he's, he's disillusioned with the movie business and all this lot. And then whenever he comes back, it's he comes back with like a big film. Um, so, for instance, he, you know, he, he did sexualizing videotapes, and then, you know, he, he saw him as very, saw this very uh, sort of altruistic sort of director, and then nothing really worked out for him after that. Uh, and then he made Out of Sight very much as a director for hire, uh, and it was really successful. And he went through that sort of little period where he was making a lot of kind of. You know, he did Erin Brockovich, which again was more of a director for hire. Then he did Traffic, which was his movie. And then Ocean's Eleven, director for hire. Then a couple more of his. And he's been very much one of those that tends to, to bounce between a couple for them, a couple for me, a couple for them, a couple for me. But he doesn't seem to like it when his movies are successful. Yeah. Um, for instance, he doesn't like talking about the Ocean's movies. Um, but he'll happily talk about... Um, the Good German or Shea, which, you know, Good German, I think, is a terrible movie, uh, personally. Uh, Shea was a very interesting idea, but it just didn't work. Um, the informant um, was a bit of a, a bomb because people didn't understand it. I think it's a great film. But then, it's a fucking great film. Yeah, the I, I, think, yeah. I think it's brilliant. Um, but then you look at something like Magic Mike, for instance. Magic Mike now, and he was a chosen director by uh, Tate and got him to direct it. But Soderbergh did a little bit of press for that in America, and then immediately once it became quite big, he stopped. And he's like, he's a little bit like one of those who he, he wants to have the the mystique of an indie director and of an auteur director like that. But he also wants to be able to be given the cash of a big Hollywood director. And then every so often he gets kind of like, ah, oh, no, I hate it, I'm, I'm retiring. And then he, he, when someone goes, oh, all right then. And then a couple of years later he'll go, oh, well, maybe I want to make this. Maybe I want to make this. And if well, I make this, if you let me make that, uh, I'll make that for you. Uh, but you've got to give me $5 million, all right? Yeah, all right. Uh, oh, and then a couple of years later he goes, no, I don't want to do this anymore. And then runs away again. And it just seems well, to be he, a bit prickly. He says that um, the reason why he's leaving this time is because, like, the, the, the studios and whatnot aren't interested in funding interesting movies and TV is where it's at. And the whole, the whole TV is where it's at thing. Yes, there are an awful lot of good TV shows on at the moment. There, there are. There really, really are. But, like, if there are also still an awful lot of great films... Mm. And the whole the whole vogue of saying TV's better than film. All right, I'm incredibly biased, but I think that are there is room for both. There is room for both. And um, I mean, in the end of the day, Soderbergh says like studios aren't interested. Like the kinds of films he wants to make, studios aren't interested in anymore. In less than two years, yeah. he is he has re- had released Contagion. Haywire, Magic Mike, and Side Effects. He's had four films out in less than two years. So he can't say... They are... Oh, well, you know, uh, the, the types of films I'm interested in making and now studios don't want to make. Why are you... Why did you make these films, then? Exactly. You know, it, it, it's he's, just... he's been given, you know, a decent budget. You know, Haywire, I'd say Contagion and Side Effects are very much movies... Um, you know, they're movies for him. They're, they're not big temple 
uh, features. Uh, they're very. Much... And I, I'm just looking up how much they've all made. Uh, they're very much movies that were made for you know. They're not like the Ocean's movies or Out of Sight or you know things like that. The ones that he's made more for the studios. And the other one, Magic Mike, was basically you know it was him essentially doing a favour for a friend. Uh, and it ended up making a bucket load of money. Um, did Magic Mike? Um, and um, I, I will just say, Contagion, sixty million dollar budget. Yeah. Uh, even though with that cast, that's not really like a lot of that money. Probably just went on the actors, frankly. Yeah. Uh, worldwide gross, just over one hundred and thirty-five million dollars. So over twice its budget, and the marketing on it probably wasn't and, and, like it's not one of those ones where it probably it's probably not one of those ones where it had to make three times its budget. No, I mean frankly. I think when you when you're looking at because I mean the idea is is for a film to be successful, it's got to make double its budget. But I think when you've got a sixty million dollar movie, it doesn't have to make double its budget to make it back it's only if a movie is over a hundred million dollars really it's got to make double its budget to come back you know that that theory is very good but you know if you've got um a 60 million dollar movie that makes a hundred million dollars that's that's you know that's all right and for it to make over double that you know that's doing pretty well uh here why it didn't make a lot did it no, 33 mil off of a budget of 23 mil worldwide. But then, like, Haywire, it's one of those ones that people... I, I think we said it on the show before, people seem to hate, and I have no idea no, why. I don't understand why. Um, uh, but then Magic Mike, here we go, production budget, $7 million. Yeah. Um, I'm assuming a lot of, like, some of the bigger ne- members of the cast got uh, points participation in this. Uh, worldwide, $167 million. And that has sold... Bucket loads on Blu-ray and DVD as well. Yeah, I, I, I still need to get Magic Mike. The best Blu-ray. way I think you can tell of, of how well a Blu-ray or a DVD is selling is how long it takes it to come down in price. And that fucker's still like 12 quid on Blu-ray. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah you're quite right. It is still well, always over a tenner. Yeah. Um, the minute it drops under a tenner, uh, I'll be buying it. Uh, side effects. Uh, 28 mil in the US so far. Um, no foreign grosses have been reported as of yet, according to Box Office Mojo. Uh, there's no production budget on here either, but uh, I can't imagine side effects cost that much. Side effects cost about, I think it was about 30 million, I think. Yeah, 30 million. Okay. Um, but, I mean, well, all right, quick question. The last thing we'll talk about on side effects before we move on to our 101 new. Um, Quickly, uh, was your screening busy or semi-busy or what, what would you say? Uh, it was pretty quiet, but um, it was around about the time the Wales, uh, the Scotland Wales game was kicking ah. off. Whenever there's rugby, uh, whenever whenever it's rugby Saturday, the cinema's quiet. It is just it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, I went to a a quarter past sorry, a quarter to two showing um, at my local view, and it was it was a lot busier than I expected it to be. Um, is what I'll say. Um, however, there were quite clearly a few a few girls there who were there for the tanning tape effect, and two of them left when he got stabbed. <laughs> yeah, I, I I didn't have oh really yeah. uh, I didn't have any walkouts. I mean, it was the thing is it was a fairly big screen. Um, oh, here's a question as well. Actually, was it flat or scope for you? Uh, it was scope. Yeah, okay. Let me just... Yeah, okay, it was. Because uh, cause my um, 
my screen, it was like it was zoomed in too much. Uh, uh, like when the BBFC card came up at the beginning, um, the top and the bottom were cut off. Oh, that's not good. Yeah, um, it was... Ah, now that's interesting. IMDB says the aspect ratio is flat, 1.85 to 1. Yeah, um, bear, bear with me. Aspect ratio, side effects. Because that would actually make sense then, that they fucking projected it in the wrong aspect ratio. Um, side effects is 1.85 to 1. Um, oh, aspectratio.com? What the fuck is this place? <laughs> Have we just found the geekiest website ever? Um, oh, I think it's some sort of... Um, I think it's some sort of marketing company. Oh, wankers. Yeah, no, they um, do TV spots and trailers. Yeah. Apparently they did the trailer for side of... Right, I, sorry about this. Uh, just be a second. Um... Yeah, they did the trailers uh... for Django as well. Oh, really? And Killing Them Softly. And The Impossible... That's quite a big company, actually. Yeah. Oh, and Red Dawn. <laughs> oh god really I still haven't um, watched that it fucking brutal is it, is uh, it, that's coming out is it bad it, it, it's 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 terrible it's really really bad uh, I will I, I, I don't know because sometimes IMDB's wrong but the thing is like so scope so what, like the entire the entire frame was filled out for you was it yeah like, yeah, um, it was, yeah. Like, left to right was very, very wide. Yes, yeah, I'm sure it was. Okay, that's interesting. Because, like, the, yeah, the projection was... Um, I actually I actually had a word with um, one of the guys, one of the team leaders who works there. Um, I actually used to work in projection at the view I used to work at, so I had a word with him. And he and he was just like, oh, well, you know, do you want to actually make a complaint about it? I mean, I'll get it looked into, but do you want to make a complaint? It was like, well, I'm not going to get anything out of it because I've got an unlimited card anyway, haven't I? So, you know, but... Um, yeah, yeah, anyway, let's... It was a childhood corrupted by endless hours of VHS rentals. We're sick to manage shit, you'd love it. In his most formative years, he had seen it all. I can handle anything. Action. <laughs> Karate is not to be used aggressively. But if I have no other choice. Horror. <laughs> and romance. Now, he's decided it's time to go back for just one more adventure. Humans are such easy prey. Noel Miller presents... You're the problem, you little shit! The Adventures in VHS Podcast. Join me, Noel Miller, as each month I take an in-depth look at one movie from my collection of ex-rental 80s VHS classics and speak to one or two of the people involved with making them about what the format means to them. The Adventures in VHS Podcast. Thank you. Have a nice day. Download today from iTunes by searching for Adventures of VHS or visit adventuresofvhs.com. Are you tired of film podcasts where the hosts exist in a constant, blissful state of agreement? I mean, the main, the main characters are two of the dullest main characters I have ever encountered in any film. Well, you're in luck. 
Let me introduce you to Chinstroke and Punter. One is an ex-film student with a penchant for David Lynch and art cinema. The other is a man on the street. Listen in perplexed and horrified terror as we tear apart one film a week. Just really, it's isn't. not visually striking. No, I just just getting confirmation. It's just in That's the third time though. I mean, I must. This is on. You can find us at chinstrokeversuspunter.podomatic.com. So come and share the victory. If you could fuck any man in film, who would it be and why? My answer is Lance Henriksen. Oh. He wouldn't tell. He looks like somebody. <laughs> he looks like somebody you can keep a secret. Right, um, so we're going to move into our one old and one new. Um, so, Ian, do you want to hit us with your one old or one new? Um, uh, I've only got uh, one one old, and um, uh, I'd probably be quite brief with it, to be honest. Um, I, 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 uh, I had a little bit of a not watching much uh, time over the last week, uh, just because of new job and, like, sorting out the house move and stuff like that and um i've been trying to get through uncharted 3 as well if i'm honest um because uh bless him glenn who i know he's probably listening i've had his copies of uncharted 2 and 3 for i don't know how long um but yeah so my one and this will actually feed in from uh last week's 35 millimeter heroes where um uh noel and i had a bit of a discussion about scott pilgrim versus the world <laughs> uh which i now maintain as Edgar wright's best film um i rewatched Shaun of the dead so Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead is great. Shaun of the Dead is a five star film. For me, it's it is not Edgar Wright's best film because Scott Pilgrim versus the world, I still think, is a truer vision of what Edgar Wright wants to bring to cinema. And I think that Shaun of the Dead visually and it's probably just because it didn't have the budget it's not it, it it's more akin to spaced obviously than it is to scott pilgrim versus the world which is maybe unfair but it is the case and because of that and basically purely because of that i still think scott pilgrim versus the world is a better film than Shaun of the dead however Shaun of the dead is still fantastic um and also um, it's the first time I've seen it in full HD, 1080p, and the Blu-ray is lovely in 1080p. Uh, the grain in the image is awesome, and uh, it, it's just, it's really, really sharp, it's really detailed, it's a really nice HD transfer. Um, the gore in the film still surprises me um, to, to this day. The fact that 10 years ago, um, well, 9 years ago, this got a 15 still quite surprises me like like uh the the death of uh, dylan moran's character uh where he literally gets ripped apart okay it's recalling dawn of the dead but it's still gory as fucking shit and um i suppose it's the whole comic tone of Shaun of the dead that it, it, it gets away with with it um but it, yeah it was still a bit of a surprise um you know i mean the relationship between uh sean and ed is, is fantastic everybody i mean it barely feels like there's even any point in me talking about Shaun of the dead <laughs> um it, it, it just you know it, it it is what it is um so there you go yeah um <clears throat> i still think Shaun of the dead is a great best film um uh, personally um but then again i have i have massive issues with scott pilgrim 
Uh, That's it, it. Just Scott Pilgrim particularly speaks to me. I don't know why, but it makes me laugh. I mean, Shaun of the Dead makes me laugh really hard, but Scott Pilgrim versus the World makes me laugh hard. I think more continuously, and I realise what I'm saying is probably sacrilege to many, many, many people, but it just, as a complete film, as a package, I think Scott Pilgrim vs. the World is more fulfilling than Shaun of the Dead. I think my, my issues with Scott Pilgrim vs. the World start with the fact that I was really, really looking forward to it, and I really wanted to see it, and then after it, I was like, oh... All oh, right, and I thought I need to give it another go, and I gave it another go, and was like, ah. I think I've watched it about four or five times now, and it just, just irritates the shit out of me for some reason. Uh, That's where it gets better for me, yeah. honestly. Uh, but in saying that though, I didn't like Shaun of the Dead the first time I watched it. I watched that at the cinema, the um, at an advanced screening, uh, and came out of it. Two friends absolutely loved it, and I was like, I thought it was all right. And then it was on about the third watch of watching Shaun of the Dead that I was like, you know what? I fucking love this film. Um, mm. So, right. So that was your uh, one old. One old. I'll, I'll, I'll kick it in with my one new. Um, I watched a film called um, The Brass Teapot, um, which is a, Ooh, a, a film by a debut um, feature film uh, by Rama uh, Mosley, um, starring Juno Temple and Michael... Anna Granano, um, Juno Temple obviously is putting out a phenomenal amount of films. Um, if you just go sort of over the past sort of five years, um, she's had The Other Berlin Girl, Wild Child, Year One, Cracks, Mr. Nobody, Glorious 39, Saint Trinian's 2, Greenberg, Kaboom, Dirty Girl, Three Musketeers, Killer Joe, Little Birds, Small Apartments, Dark Knight Rises. Jack and Diane, and then this year she's got Lovelace, Horns, and this coming out. That is a pretty, you know, weighty five years to go at. Um, she's kind of becoming very much uh, uh, the the go-to indie girl um, of these kind of these kind of low budget indie, not super low budget, not micro budget, but lower budget indie American films. Uh, the idea of the story of the Brass Teapot is you've got Alice and John, who are a young married couple. Um, John is in a office job that he hates and he isn't very good at. Alice has a degree and seems to think that she should be going straight into a well-paid job, so isn't really working. Uh, they live in a very, very modest house, but um, essentially have no money at all. Uh, and then... By a freak accident, they're hit by a car, uh, and Alice sees an old woman in an antique shop um, bringing a brass teapot out of the garden. Um, she goes in, steals the brass teapot, and then they find out very, very quickly, and in a very kind of snappy way, uh, that if you hurt yourself, the brass teapot will give you money. Uh, and they make a pact that they'll get to their first million, and then they'll they'll stop there, um, and then you've got these Hasidic um, Jewish men uh, who claim ownership of the teapot. You've then got uh, a man from uh, China who says that the teapot is evil and he needs to uh, dispose of it. Uh, and you've got these two 
very much kind of getting drawn into uh, the power of the teapot, um, very much more Juno Tempo's character than uh, Michael Negrana's um, character. Uh, it is a, 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 a very kind of twisted, surreal, um, surreal kind of black comedy um, of sorts. Uh, it's, it is slapstick at points with the violence, um, uh, but it is an incredibly sweet movie that is very, very funny. Um, I enjoyed the hell out of it, to be honest. Um, it is a little bit... Things happen a little bit too quickly. Um, the the moment where um, Juno Temple discovers that if you hurt yourself, the teapot will give you money, um, she makes that leap very quickly. Um, it's, it, it's a little bit like, hang on a minute. Um, maybe that should have taken a little bit longer for you to jump from oh I've hurt myself to the teapot gave me money um, right. that could have gone a little bit quicker but do you know what it, does it really matter? No not really that's overthinking a film that you don't need to overthink um, what I'd say is when the brass teapot comes out um, it's, I doubt it's going to get a theatrical release over here which is unfortunate but I just don't think Juno Temple yet has uh, the pull to carry a movie on her own, uh, essentially, as the main star. Um, so I think this will probably go straight to Blu-ray and DVD, but if it does crop up at a, a theatre, I would very much recommend people go and see it. I had a lot of fun with it. Uh, like I say, it's a very sweet, nice, fun kind of little uh, romp uh, of a movie. Uh, there's some good kind of, like say, slapstick gore in it. Um, the two leads, Juno Temple uh, and Mike Dallagrana, are, are brilliant in it. Um, we know Juno Temple is going to have a a very long career and probably a very successful career uh, in the type of movies she's going to choose. And she seems to choose her movies quite varied and quite well. Um, she is very much taking advantage of the fact that she is incredibly cute. Um, and I really hope to see... Uh, I mean, Michael Grana is he, he one of those people who's been in a lot of films, you know. I mean, he was he, he was the kid in um, in Almost Famous. He played the young William in that. Um, oh, yeah. And he's, yeah. he's cropped up in, in, a, in a lot since then, but has never... I mean, he was even in, he was in Haywire um, and in Red State. Um, but he's never quite made that... that jump yet into being more recognisable um, and you really hope that something like this could be that little kind of indie film that gets him noticed by people because he's very good in this, very funny um, his comedic timing is, is, is excellent um, uh, like I say, it's, it, it's, a, it's a great movie and I'd, I'd very, much, very much recommend people track it down Solid Cool. Uh, what is your one new that you uh, have been watching? Okay, uh, one uh, new to me, um, Kubrick. Um, I've almost gotten through all of Kubrick's films. I have two left to go. Um, but I checked out his um, early work, Fear and Desire, which I believe was actually his first um, full-length feature. Even though, well, say full-length feature is about an hour long. Um now, this is a film that um, Kubrick actually basically tried to sweep under the carpet. While he was alive, I don't think he ever authorised it actually being shown. 
um, because basically he wasn't happy with it. He thought it was the kind of amateur hour stuff from him, and he he, he didn't want people seeing it. Um, obviously, he's been um, he's been in the ground for a number of years now, but um, it's recently come out on Blu-ray both in the US and the UK. Um, in the US through uh, Kino, through the UK through um, Eureka. Um, don't think it was actually part of their Masters of Cinema collection though, which is kind of surprising, I suppose. Um, even though maybe that's just something about the quality of the film. Um, yeah, actually got a short story theatrical it... as well. You've got, got a very short theatrical release uh, in Pitch Houses early this year. Oh, really? Yeah, it played in Pitch Houses. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, fair enough. Um, uh, okay, so uh, story is um, four soldiers uh, lost, um, uh, like well, kind of like basically trying to find their their way back home. Um, and uh, on the way, they spot a uh, kind of an enemy uh, encampment, and like have to decide whether they uh, want to uh, go over there and kill them or not, essentially. Um, and and uh, through the way, uh, one uh, well, one of the characters um, goes mad. Um, uh, two of the characters uh, have uh, counterparts in the uh, the opposing army, played by the same actors, and kind of discussing the same. Uh, concepts of uh what it what war is and uh why men go to war and whatnot um you might be getting the uh the feeling that i wasn't super into this and i i wasn't if if i'm honest um it's not helped by the fact that it's got by far some of the worst acting i've ever seen in any kubrick <laughs> film yeah. uh have you you've seen fear and desire i take it yeah i have yeah it, yeah um the the guy who plays the young guy who goes mad uh, is brutal. Yes. Um, he he's really, really, really bad. Um, he kind of starts talking to himself at one point. Um, they've captured a uh, a, a woman who uh, may uh, go and tell the the enemy where they are, and um, he, they've got her tied up. And um, like he he's kind of basically deciding whether he wants to rape her or not, really. And he's going, "You will like me, won't you? Won't you? Yes, you'll like me. Oh yes, you'll like me." <sighs> And it's brutal. It, it, it's really, really bad. It's, it's really um, not great, is it? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I mean, like the other actors are better. I mean, one of them basically is just to the side and doesn't really ever do anything. Uh, one of them, Mac, um, very much reminded me of Tropic Thunder. Um, the character of Mac here, the way he kind of plays it, like he's sounding like he's constantly straining to take a shit basically sounds like how Jack Black plays his character within the film in Tropic Thunder. They're kind of like the, we need to get out of here and go over there and oh, we need to kill them. You know, just, it, it, it's, it, it, like, and, I mean, like, the guy's okay, but it, it just, the fact that a Kubrick film may reminded me of Tropic Thunder <laughs> is bad. Yeah. Um, but it's got enough Kubrickian flourishes to make it worth watching for completists. And I gave it two and a half out on Letterboxd basically for this. Um, it is already like the, his, his kind of framing already feels very purposeful. Like um, there'll be like a character profile on in the foreground and then somebody else looking at them in the background and the, the, the one like profiled on will be kind of talking and like it, very kind of steady shots. And um like there's there's one scene where a bunch of people are killed and it, it's kind of constantly cutting back between faces and guns firing and like these like being like just a 
dropped baked beans on the ground. It's just like these static shots cutting between them kind of feverishly, which uh, I, I, I thought was like very interesting. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I like there's there's enough of those things where you actually think he's certainly not a fully formed filmmaker. It's not like a film like Kronos, which I rewatched recently, where you already feel like Guillermo del Toro is Guillermo del Toro in speech marks, just based like on in that one film. He already is who he is now. This doesn't feel like this with uh, with, with this, but. I mean, he made this and then he made, uh, I believe then he made Killer's Kiss, which is okay. It's better than this, but it's only okay. But then he made The Killing and The Killing is awesome. The Killing is fantastic. Um, so, and, and, you know, and and then he just he went on from there, basically. Um, so, yeah, Fear and Desire, it, 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 it has enough to make it worth a watch for those who like Kubrick, uh, which really should be anyone who likes cinema. But there's a fair bit of bad stuff in here. And even though it's only an hour long, it kind of feels like work to get to the end. Um, but it, it's, it's, it's certainly not terrible, but uh, it's certainly the worst Kubrick I've seen, but a, a Kubrick himself would apparently have said that. So fair enough. Yeah. I think Kubrick, Kubrick from, you know, what he said years ago about before he died was that, um, that, he's very much embarrassed by it. The, yeah. That he doesn't want people to see it because it's not, because it's just not very good. Um, he, he, he very much sort of said, you know, I, I don't see why people would want to watch this. It's not very good. I'm not saying don't watch this because you're embarrassed and you'll say how terrible I am. It's don't watch this because it's crap. <laughs> um, and, you know Kubrick, for all his, you know, I mean, a wonderful director and everything like that. Is he? 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 He was very much. He had a very big ego to him. Yeah. Um, and he, you, you could see if somebody started to him, oh, that that fear and desire movie, he, he would literally just scream at you straight away. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely a completist film. If you want to watch all of Kubrick's films, watch it but really don't expect anything from it. Absolutely. Cool. Okay, bud, let's get into your one old then, yeah? Yeah, my one old uh, is... Um, I'm going to talk about it. I probably shouldn't because we're going to talk about another one of his films in a minute, but I actually really want to talk about this, and it's the most interesting okay. film that I watched um, this week. Um, yeah, it is. It genuinely is. So I watched some pretty much throwaway stuff. Uh, I watched Platoon on Wednesday night. Uh, it's a film that I, I go back to and watch every couple of years. Um, I've never seen Platoon. You've never seen Platoon? No. Oh, right, right. Scratch that. Not going to talk about Platoon. I'm going to talk about <laughs> Sorry. Else. Uh, Sorry. No, because, because you need to watch Platoon very soon. It's I do. Outstanding. I do. Uh, right, give me two seconds. I'll have a think about what I'm going to talk about. The Last Action Hero. Uh, oh, go on then. Yeah, let's do that. Now, The Last Action Hero was uh, was one of those films where it came out as Schwarzenegger's star was, you know, unarguably, I think, starting to fade a little bit. Um, he was he was at the absolute. It's one of those things where when you get as big as somebody like Schwarzenegger had got. There's, there's got to be some kind of coming down. Nobody stays at that 
level um, for forever. Um, and Schwarzenegger, when this film came out, you know, he, you know, he just had the phenomenally successful uh, T2 um, had been released a couple of years before. Um, and just set a look at what he had out just sort of before it. Uh, so have a look. And after that, really, you know, you've got just before this, he had Total Recall, Kindergarten Cop, Terminator 2. Then had this, and then just after that, he had True Lies, Junior Erase. And you can kind of see that this and True Lies were kind of the absolute right. This is Schwarzenegger at the peak of his powers. And then the the slide kind of slipped after that. Uh, it was also, um, you could argue, it was, it was Shane Black uh, at the peak of his powers as well. Um, you know, he was the the hot shit in 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 writers, um, and you had John McTiernan, who you know, still had a lot of sort of kudos lingering on from from Die Hard. Um, he worked with Watchmen before on Predator, um, and this film was set up to be an action film um, that took the piss out of action films, but was very much kind of like the PG thirteen market, and it kind of very much played on that. Uh, it is considered to be a bit of a box office flop, uh, despite the fact that it made 140 million off an 85 million budget. Which, yeah, it, it's not great, but it's by no means an absolute bomb. Uh, it's not talked. Yeah, it's not like it's not discussed as one of the big bombs of all time or anything, no. is it? It's just like a very much a dud. Yeah. Um, the idea about it is, is you've got um, a kid uh, called Danny um, who is well he basically spends the majority of his time um, in an old theatre uh, run down theatre run by a guy called Nick uh, he misses school and stuff and then Nick tells him one day that he's, he's um, test screening uh, the new Jack Slater movie uh, which is a series of movies that stars Arnold Schwarzenegger um, he turns up to do this screening um, and Nick gives him a story about when the place used to be um, an actual theatre. He'd seen Harry Houdini there when he'd given him this ticket. They told it was magic, but he'd never had the guts to use it. Rips it, the ticket kind of glows, gives it to Danny, and then what has, ends up happening is Danny ends up getting sucked into the movie uh, and ends up within the movie world. So it's the world within the movie, not just the movie itself, but the movie is playing out within that world. He's trying to convince Jack Slater that what's happening is a movie. Obviously, Jack Slater is a character in the movie. So you've got this kind of, this very early sort of um, meta look at the film world. Um, and apparently, you know, original um, David Arnett and, and William Goldman, when they wrote it, it was supposed to be a lot more, a lot more satire and a lot less action. And then when Black got hold of the script, he twisted it back on itself. Uh, and made it more about the action, and the, the satire was the action. Um, it's it's one of those films where it it's it's probably a lot better to watch it now than it was to watch it at the time. I remember seeing this film at the at the theatre uh, and really enjoying it. But then again, I was the right age to enjoy it. I was around the same age as the kid in it, so you know 
wow, it's a kid who loves movies, uh, who goes to the theatre on his own, getting sucked into a movie and been in this movie world. And, you know, around that time, being that age, someone like Schwarzenegger was kind of like a hero to kids, you know, of sort of my age. And that was kind of like, that was amazing. You identified with that. And then when you look at it sort of years later now, so 20 years later, you look at it in a different way. And it's it, it holds up very well. The action scenes are great in it. The satire is brilliant in it. It's it's fun now to look back on it now, almost like Schwarzenegger looking back on his own career uh, and where he's gone from it and where the action films have gone from it. Uh, it's too long. It's it's two hours, two and a bit hours long. Uh, yeah, I remember it being very long. And it, it, it does it does start to feel uh, too long. You could quite easily shave twenty twenty five minutes out of it. Um, there's too many bad guys. Um, in it, uh, you've got um, Charles Dance and Tom Noonan uh, both playing bad guys. Tom Noonan comes back as a bad guy from a previous film, and then when it gets thrown back into the real world, it spends too long in the real world. It should have maybe spent 10 15 minutes in the real world, not the 25 minutes, half an hour that it ends up spending uh, in the real world. Uh, you have loads of little kind of nice touches like. Um, Danny tried to prove to Jack Slater that you know he's a he, he's an actor by taking him to a video star and you see the Terminator 2 uh, post uh, standy, but instead it's Stallone uh, instead of uh, Schwarzenegger. Uh, that's a nice little touch. Stuff like uh, Danny DeVito as a cartoon cat um, in it. Um, you've got quick little walk-ons uh, by people like Sharon Stone and people like that. Yeah, it. it it makes sense, but it's one of those films where if you haven't seen it, because when it came out, everyone said it was shite, um, it, it, it'd be a good one to go back and revisit, because it's actually a, a really fun movie. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. too long, but there's, there's enough there for it to be really entertaining. It's on UK Netflix at the moment, so I'd definitely say give it a go. Um, I watched it with uh, my daughter, and she she really liked it. She thought it was a little bit too long. I could see it get a little bit kind of like bored uh, at points because it does drag a little bit. But it's it's a damn fun film. Maybe if she uh, was a boy and not a girl, she might have appreciated it a little bit more. <laughs> mm. Cool. So that was our one old, one new. Um, and we're going to now move into uh, our... Second, only our second, um, because of uh, stag nights and Oscars, um, of our sleazy storm marathon. So yeah, yeah, we watched bloody seizure weeks ago, didn't we? Jesus Christ. Um, So here's a trailer from The Hand. You think I've done something wrong, don't you? There's something in there, don't you? Torment he could not bear. You want to see? Truth he would not face. Hey! Take a look! Orion Pictures presents Michael Caine in The Hand. You don't want me to go to New York with you, do you? I'm not talking about a separation or anything permanent or anything like that. 
I thought you understood that. I thought that was why you said well, that. Well, could... we obviously do not understand each other. Look out! Get back! How does it feel? Life is still there. My fingers. I've been moving. You'll have phantom feelings for years. Heat, irritation, pain. Your memory is still feeding familiar sensations of having a hand along your nerve endings. What have you been doing during these blackouts? Misplacing things. I'd be scared if I were you. Did you see my signet ring? No. Are you all right? Oh, yes. You never know what you can do. The unconscious is capable of anything. You could do anything you ever dreamed of and never had the guts to do. Hi. I like the way you look at me. Blackouts are nothing to fool with. You could kill somebody. It's all up there. And you'll never know. Know what? Who you are. Don't be afraid of the pain. Tell me what you're feeling. You're trying to kill me, aren't you? Sense it. Feel it. Touch it. You want to destroy me? What is your image? A man trapped in a nightmare. In the grass of land. Oh, John. John? John? What's the matter? Why are you looking at me like that? There's no hand. Michael Caine in The Hand. <laughs> there you go. You heard. Sorry. <laughs> it's all right. No slowing a coy. Uh, so there's a little uh, clip for trailer for the hand, uh, which is a uh, another horror film uh, from Oliver Stone, um, based on the book The Lizard's Tale, uh, starring Michael Caine as a uh, comic book artist and writer. Uh, he writes a book called Mandra, which is um, some kind of fantasy um, type um, comic book. Um, and in a tragic accident, he loses his hand. But is the hand dead? Well, yes, but it still might be trying to kill people. Um, uh, uh, Ian, what did you think of the hand? Um, I had quite a good time with the hand as such. Um, it, um... <laughs> what I'll say is this feels like a real movie, whereas Seizure... Seizure doesn't feel like a real yeah. movie. This, yeah, this uh, is uh, a real movie. Absolutely, even though it's got opening titles that are kind of ineligible, like illegible. Sorry, um, I, I, I like I, you saying I, it was, I like it was based on a book called The Lizard's Tale. Like I could not, I could not tell what that credit was. Could you not know that the. the I, I liked the fact that the opening bit was it, it writing and it made the scratchy writing noise. I liked that. But you're right, you can't fucking read what it's saying at all. It's it, it's brutal. Like you you just it, it it you can't tell what it. I mean, I, which I thought was really funny, frankly. Like it's just like oh, all right then. Starring Michael Caine, uh, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, I just I don't know. I thought it was like. It is sleazy stone, um, like surprisingly sleazy stone. Um, I mean, it's got 
the whiff of misogyny all over the place, <laughs> even though the film itself admits that, you know, the, the, the ending of the film where the, uh, the doctor is saying, you know, because basically you hate me, you hate women. And it was only like your love for your daughter, like the only woman on earth you appear to like, you know, that, um, that kind of like saved you. I don't know. I, 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 I thought it was quite interesting. Um, it would make a hell of a double bill with dress to kill this. Yes, um, it would. Yeah. Because, I mean, like, the ending is virtually the same. Like, Michael Caine laughing maniacally. Um, it, it, it just, it, it's... I, love I, I, I Yeah, we're going to get into it. I enjoyed it. What did you think? Um, I enjoyed it, yeah. Um, it's it's one of those films where you watch it going, uh, going do you know what? This, 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 is, this is not a good film. But that doesn't matter because it... I, I want to know what happens and it's enjoyable and I, I was transfixed by the fact that I was for the majority of it I was thinking has Michael Caine ever not had terrible hair you know yeah. could he have been you know could he uh, you know I mean Michael Caine has had a very very successful career um, and is is a is a you know a legend um, however for the 80s um, he, he he didn't have a great 80s, let's be honest. Um, he made a lot of crap in the 80s. And I was watching thinking, did he make a lot of crap in the 80s because he had terrible hair in the 80s? And a, a good portion of it, I was watching this film, was thinking, you know, this, this, this film shouldn't be keeping my attention as well as it is. No, I, I mean, the, the thing is, it is because of the hand. It is the central thing of, is this hand actually doing this shit or not? You know, yeah. and also, I, I, I will say, I think Stone's directorial choices um, make it uh, like uh, interesting to watch as well. Yes. Um, the I, I, I mean, the um, the setting is is pretty awesome the uh, like a cabin in the woods basically with uh, and and it constantly raining i i you know I, it's very very horror movie i mean the whole thing is i mean james horner's score is Brilliant. generic horror movie score number 37 yeah. you know uh, but it's but i mean it's absolutely fine um but like but um the, the, the kane's um like is he mad isn't he mad thing the way it kind of goes black and white every now and then that the, the sequence in the bar that's like first person where he's talking to uh brian yeah um i, I you know and it um uh, it, it's like it's cut in between that and him kind of like scratching off the label on the budweiser bottle you know and like where, where it's kind of the, the the whole kind of reveal that he's he's been shagging the the girl yeah i i i you know i thought that was great um I, I mean, I, I will say the, the the misogyny angle is is an interesting one um, because basically the women in this film either get fucked by Michael Caine or get killed by Michael Caine, basically, yeah. um, or, or get attacked by Michael Caine. Um, I mean, like, I, I, like, it's interesting towards the end of the film, you know, there's the line from the doctor where it says, like, Brian was an accident. Yeah, you know, yeah. you didn't really, you didn't really mean to kill him. He just kind of got in in the way of your of your aims. 
but, but yeah, that that it is very much like you so don't want to kill him because you know is it a penis? You didn't know yeah, that. Did yeah, yeah, he's a bloke. Yeah. Uh, I, I, it's, it's, I mean, but the thing is, can you criticize a film for being misogynist when it admits that? I mean, it directly says the killer in this film is a misogynist. Yeah. You absolutely can uh, forgive it. And let's be honest, his wife is a bit of a twat. She's a bellend. That's the thing. His wife, from minute one, is completely unsympathetic. Yeah, I think his, his, um, his editor um, very much clarifies, I think that you're not supposed to feel anything for the wife by basically saying... Is the reason that you don't want to go back to work because you know that the minute you start making money, she's going to leave you. And it's like, you're going, oh, the fucking bitch. And it was her fault that he lost his hand. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it, it is all the wife's fault. But then you introduce um, the, the girl, Stella, um, who not I don't know who the actress is. Not the best performance in the world by a fucking long shot. Oh, she's, um, she's very, she's a, incredibly wooden. <laughs> yeah, and like her voice grated me as well. Um, like that whole thing, like it, it, I don't quite know where that came from. Just like there's a couple of shots of her looking at him in class, <laughs> yeah. and then suddenly she just walks in, talks to him for a couple of minutes, and then takes her shirt off and says, "I'm old fashioned, but I, you know, I like to make it in bed." You know, it, it just. That whole aspect of the film, it, it and, and like the way she then kind of screws him over as well. It, it, it's I, I was looking for someone to la- else to latch on to, and like the only woman in this film that kind of gets away with having any, um, you know, goodness in her at all is his daughter. You, you know, and I, 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 it, it that it kind of bothered me, but then. It's so base and just like appealing to your fucking like lowest in uh, impulses. Like the bit, like the your, your enjoyment of this film will basically depend on how much you enjoy Michael Caine strapped up to some like electrodes and laughing maniacally while a little heart rate thing goes beep 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 beep. You know, you, like, if that sounds like a good cheesy time to you. You'll enjoy the hand. Yeah, it's it very much is that kind of you know. There are some interesting bits in it, populated by a lot of very boring bits in it, um, that then are picked up again by the really interesting bits. Uh, I, I actually that's interesting. I didn't find the film boring at all. I I'd like I I. It, I found bits of the second half of it quite boring, to be honest. Um, I think it, it, it. I think the last, the first hour, I was fucking well on board. The next hour, I liked maybe forty minutes of it. There was twenty minutes from when he goes to California, where I thought it just, it, it just felt like I was going, all right, can can something actually fucking start happening anymore? I don't need to see all of this, and it, it just kind of dragged a little bit. But it, that's very much kind of nitpicking. So like after he um after he leaves his wife and he's um getting all kind of settled in and whatnot, yeah. it just I d I dunno. It um I was alright with that to be honest. I mean there was the um 
the the great sequence where he's out, out um walking uh walk uh, walking home and it, it kind of goes black and white and he's like staring in that shop window and then the hand just kind of gr- comes out of the glass and smashes at him. Yeah, the, um, the, the, I, the black and white thing was an interesting choice. I liked that. I was assuming that was kind of when like his other personality, yeah, personality was, was taking was, hold was, or was something. Kicking in, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, um, yeah, I felt that it just it it just kind of lost my attention a little bit in that that second half. But like again, like I said that's it's definitely nitpicking. Um, but it quickly pulls it back once his his wife comes um, home there, and that's when it starts that that starts up again. You've got some great scenes. The scene where he's imagining the car rolling down a hill. On fire, yeah. And his daughter's like, "Oh, mummy's home, mummy's home." He's going, "No, that's not mummy, it's not mummy." You're thinking, "Shit, you know." And then it opens, it's like, "Oh, it is the mother, right?" Okay. And then it starts spinning around, and then that last scene um, of you know the the checkerboard floor and all the wires and her talking, yeah. and just kind of sat there, just kind of looking. That's a brilliant scene. Yeah, I mean that. Um, and I mean like that as well as Dress to Kill. That kind of reminded me of um, the the Fury a little bit as well. Mm. Just like they're, they're kind of like the the intensity of it all. I mean, I wouldn't have been surprised if Lightning the Fury if he'd just blown up or something. To be <laughs> like, I mean, I would have been like, yep, yeah, all right, that's fine. You know, um, of course. Yeah, um, it's it, uh, pulling in from um, from that uh, from things like um, the Fury. Um, with um, Stone, with 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 his work, um, you know, he he did kind of he did sort of like shadow quite a few um, directors after he made Seizure um, to kind of to get an idea and to get a feel for how um, how sort of films work and stuff like that. And you know, he did he did work a little bit with um, De Palma, so maybe you know he was there on the Fury on, on set or around that. When De Palma was making that, um, of course, you know, a couple of years after the hand, um, Stone wrote um, Scarface, um, that obviously was directed by Brian De Palma, and you know they're quite, they were quite close friends at the time. So I, I can definitely see the link between stuff like that and and the hand. It definitely has that that late seventies um, horror film feel. Yeah, uh, that, absolutely. I mean, the, the hand itself as well. Um, I, I really like that. And also, I just, um, I just, I don't know why it took me so long, but I just twigged that. Yeah, the reason why his wife didn't die in that bit was because the hand actually wasn't there. He was just imagining that it was. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, the, like the hand was not there, was it? It was all just him. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I'm definitely at that. At that, yeah. I mean, you got that bit. You got that bit at the end, but like, it's still just all right. Well, he blatantly could have just done that himself anyway, yeah. judging by like the fact he just gets up and yeah. But um, um, the hand itself, yeah. Um, I, I thought that was awesome. It like it kind of looked like stop motion, but then it kind of seemed like it might have been an animatronic, and I thought it was actually quite effective. I mean, the hand itself doesn't look like a real hand, but the things it does. I thought it was actually quite impressive. Yeah, it, 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 the, the effects in it, because uh, that sometimes is the worry, is that you're looking at a film that's over 30 years old, um, that very much predates um, CGI. It's a very much a practical effects thing. Um, and sometimes the worry is there, is, is the practical effects going to be 
going to take me out of it because you become so used to things looking photorealistic. Um, but it doesn't. It looks great. You know, it's it, 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 like you say, it doesn't like a real hand, but that doesn't really matter. It still looks good, and it still has, it still has a feel, and it still it, the movements of it still look real. Um, yeah. Etc. So that works really well, and you know you, you you get a definite feel for it, and it's it it, it it you become invested enough in the film for that to work. Yeah, uh, uh, absolutely. Um, and I mean, like the scene where the hand gets cut off as well is pretty fucking awesome. Yeah, that hand travels a long way as well. <laughs> yeah, the fact that there's, there's some good gore in that. The fact that um, there's just blood spraying out of his hand. Spurting out, yeah. man. Yeah. Um, like that. That was. It was one of those kind of classic moments where, like, Donna just like walked into the room, just had a look, and she was just like, "Oh, what the fuck are you watching now?" You know, it's just, it's just one of those ones. Uh, brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it, that that definitely worked worked very well. Um, and like you say, um, Michael Caine is he's very much like the the Michael Caine you expect of this time. You know, he's he's very kind of stoic and interesting, and he. he, he he works very well, you know. He comes across as being, you know, you, you get the feeling that oh, he's a nice guy, but he's a complete dick, really. Yeah, yeah. And Kane seems to play that quite well. So, for the hand, uh, well, what are your feelings? Uh, is it shit or is it definitely not shit? It's definitely not shit. I, I'd go a solid four out of five on it. I, I had a really. It is what it is, but what it does, it does pretty well. Uh, it, it just like don't expect a masterpiece by any fucking means, but it's like you said earlier, it's a film, so it's already better than shit seizure. Yeah, um, I'd say it, it's definitely not shit. I was I was very pleasantly surprised by it. Um, I'll be honest. Um, it's it, it, you know it, it's it's a massive step up from seizure, although seizure is wonderful in so many ways. Um, but it, this is you can definitely see um, that. That this is, you know, this is a director who is extremely good, um, and there are little flourishes. And there's, you know, within the opening five minutes, you kind of go in. Do you know what? This is going to be pretty fucking good, actually. You know, it's, it's got, it, it, it's like Stone's gone. You know, look back and see and gone right. I've done that. I've done a shit film, but now I know what I'm doing, so I can. The ideas that I have, I now know on a technical level how to how to shoot them and how to put them together and how to form a cohesive piece. Um, and it seems like he's gone mid season, then gone right. Yeah, I, I need to, I need to hone this craft before I have another crack at it. And he's gone away and learned how to be a director, and then come back and gone right. Here we go. And then. You know, it took another five years to come back and do uh, Salvador and Platoon, and then you know the the jump between um, Seizure and the Hand is massive, and then the jump between the Hand and Platoon, which was the next movie he actually made. I mean, that jump again is another huge jump, um, and I think I, we'll, we'll probably end up saying this a lot, but it, it, it's it's quite easy to forget um, with Stone with after stuff like. I've not seen Savages yet because I'm waiting for watching it later on in this in this marathon. But you know, after 
stuff like Wall Street Two and W and you know World Trade Center and Alexander, it, it, it's become very easy to forget quite how good Stone can be. Um, and the hand definitely lays a, a foundation for a director who, without question, has an eye and has talent. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, it's it's just a very very solid eighties horror movie. Um, it's very professional. The production values are, are perfectly good. Um, yeah, I mean, it just it, it's a it's a fully formed film. And uh, but I mean, obviously, Stone goes off in different avenues. But as a as is like one proper horror film. I mean, I, I you can't call Seizure a film. I don't think. But um. Uh, as his one proper horror film, it's a damn good entry. And I will say, would make a very, very good double bill with uh, the Anthony Hopkins puppet movie, Magic. Um, that, the, the two would inform each other quite well, I think. And Magic's also got an awesome ending. Cool. Right, um, so that was The Hand. We both said it's definitely not shit. Uh, what uh, is next on our stone, sleazy stone? Is it Natural Born Killers? I think it might be Natural Born Killers, yeah. Yeah, natural just... Born. Yep, it's Natural Born Killers. And then it's Bloody U- hell, right. And then it's U-Turn. Oh, sweet. I'm, quite... I'm, I'm looking forward to I U-turn. fucking love I'm U-Turn. Uh, yeah. yeah, so next week it will be uh, Natural Born Killers, uh, which that's going to be a fucking interesting one. Um, right, so, Twitter questions. We have a few. Yeah, boy. Um, yeah, um, what have you got there? I've got, first one I've got from uh, Grant T. Chapman. Um, which is which movie monkey sidekick would you like to own in real life um i will say i went into the disney store in cardiff yesterday um wanting to buy a plush toy version of genuinely uh wanting to buy a plush toy version of the monkey from oz the great and powerful finley uh voiced by zach braff who already is one of my favorite movie monkeys of all time he is fucking amazing in Oz the Great and Powerful. There is a moment in that film where he has to distract someone and what he comes up with is some of the funniest shit I've ever seen. Entirely objective thing. That's just my point of view. But And I will love him forever for that. So Finley from Oz the Great and Powerful genuinely would be the one I'd want to own in real life. Oh, nice. Um... I'm going to go with um, the monkey from Cloudy the Chance of Meatballs. Yeah, that's also a good yeah, one. Yeah, uh, just because uh, cause, because he says his name all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm like, when I watch Cloudy the Chance of Meatballs, every time that monkey said Steve, I burst out laughing. Yep. And I, I, do you know what? I've seen it dozens of times since, and every time that monkey says Steve, I burst out laughing. He's fucking amazing, is Steve. He's, he's, he's magnificent. Uh, so, yeah, it'd be the monkey from Cloud of Chance and Meatballs. Um, Team Zizu, uh, what's the biggest classic film you haven't seen yet? <laughs> Platoons, probably. Um, big one. You're gonna, yeah, fuck, it, I, I'm looking forward to talking to you about Platoon. Nice. Yeah, I will get it watched. It's, it's, it's on Netflix uh, US in Super HD. Oh, it's in Super HD. Yeah, yeah. Um, I will say. Sorry, I'll just be a second. Well, I would say my my fucking yes. What? I just found my bloody copy of Empire. Right. Um, 
that that this month's empire has been missing for about the last week and i was like gonna where is it you put it somewhere where is it i haven't put it anywhere i haven't put it anywhere where is it where is it i've just found it stacked up with a load of other fucking empires i knew she put it somewhere uh... right i found it and now i can read the bloody thing right okay sorry <laughs> um um lawrence of arabia you've not seen lawrence of arabia um, I- I've had the Blu-ray for months and I started watching it a few months back and then I stopped about half an hour in because I was like, this is awesome. I need to see it on a bigger TV or preferably in the cinema. This was just after it had its uh, kind of theatrical re-release. So I've now got a 42-inch telly. I was watching it on a 32-inch. So I think that may be big enough for me to actually take it in because it was seriously it was fucking awesome so far so yeah that's that's the big one for me um oh god what classic film have i not seen i'm not one of the people that i've seen everything because i i haven't obviously there's been one fucking glaring one that i'm missing uh that i've not seen um Ah, oh, I don't know. Uh, all right, this one, this is a strange one. It, it, I'm going to slightly cheat here. Um, I've never watched Avatar in one sitting. I've never sat down and watched it all in one go. I've watched. It. No one calls Avatar a classic movie. Well, <laughs> um, I did that. Oh, God, there must be. There's just there's something, is it? There's a fucking glaring one that I haven't seen that I know I should have seen. And that I haven't. Um... All right, I'm gonna go through. I'm gonna go through my top hundred seventies films uh, as my list on Letterboxd. Shout out when there's one you haven't seen. All right, go. Alien, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Apocalypse Now, Clockwork Orange, The Godfather, Godfather Part Two, The Exorcist, All the President's Men, Suspiria, Barry Lyndon, Black Christmas, Dawn of the Dead, Deep Red, Dirty Harry, Jaws, The Devils, Halloween, the Manhattan, Devils. Taxi Driver. Devils, not there. You go. Seen, do you know what? I've got the BFI DVD, bought it the day it came out. Had a massive argument with the guy in HMV because they had one copy and he couldn't find it. And I basically stood there and went, "You work here, go find it." Uh, yeah. Got it, bought it, and watched it yet. <laughs> That's my sixteenth favorite film from the seventies. I would, if you um, watch Platoon this week, I will watch Devils. Oh Christ! We're potentially moving on Friday, damn it! I'll give you a week's grace. <laughs> all right, I, I, all right, yeah, okay. In the next two weeks, watch Platoon. I think I can do that. Right. TGP seventy three. What's the film with the worst title? Rename it with something more appropriate. Film with the worst title. Oh, is this inspired by Welcome to the Punch? I really it? hope it is. Yeah. Yeah, he probably saw you talking about a good old, good old Steve. Um, uh, there's got to be something terrible out there. Try to think what's got a really bad title. I mean, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes could be renamed Trevor of the Planet of the Apes. <laughs> yeah. Um. um I think. Uh, oh shit it's a fucking difficult question you're not wrong 
I'm trying to think if there's a title that's ever pissed me off about a film. Uh, I don't like films that are, that are someone's name. I always... But John Carter is John a massive Carter, yeah. one. But films that are someone's name bugs the shit out of me. For some reason, I don't know why, I don't like films that are just someone's name. They always annoy the hell. It, it, it just seems really lazy. Uh, da, 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 da. There's something. This I'm I'm currently going through looking at uh, IMDb's, t- IMDb's top 250 to see if there's a movie that that jumps out and grabs me and goes, "That's a fucking shit name." Because I know there's, there's 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 something. Oh no, I can't find it. Um, no, I, I'm gonna go for. Do you know what? The one that's really pissed me off was Welcome to Punch. I haven't seen the film yet, but I would rename it Punch or um, McAvoy's Beard or anything. Just something other than that. It's a fucking awful name for a film. Mark Strong's a bad guy. Again. Yeah, Mark Strong is Mark Strong in Mark Strong. Mm. Could be called Strong. It could have been. There are so many other things. It doesn't even make sense. Welcome to the punch. The punch better be an actual place or something like that. I hope it's a club. It, yeah, that's that, that's the only way it could be something is if it's a club. That would be all right. But it's a terrible name for a title. And if it is called the Punch Club, it's a shit name for a club. That's a good point. So, yeah, that's going to be mine. Welcome to the punch. Shit name for a film. Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, Trevor of the Planet of the Apes. That's mine. <laughs> yeah. Right, um, next one. Cinema experiences, one best, two worst, three weirdest. Um, I always had an answer for the best, and it's gone out of my fucking mind. Um, my weirdest was uh, during the Matrix, the first Matrix film, when he takes the uh, pill, the blue one, the red one, I can't remember which one he takes, he a blue pill, doesn't he? Um, takes that and you know it, everything starts going weird and the mercury goes up and goes into his mouth and then it goes all white on screen yeah. the screen fills out white screen filled out white, little flicker of a noise um, and then the film went off and everyone, and bearing in mind this is the major just have been released, everyone kind of sat there going okay and then some guy walked in and went this isn't part of the movie the reel has <laughs> snapped Back on a minute, <laughs> and they went back out, and it started back up again from the point where it went white, and it just started exactly from there again, and it felt like it. And I was sort of saying, was that part of the movie? Was that like some kind of installation they've asked them to do within the movie, or was that just just that? And I had to actually ask somebody at the cinema and said, was that supposed to happen? He's like, no, it just. It was just a, it was a very opportune moment for it to go wrong. So that was my mm. weirdest. Um, um, my my weirdest would probably actually be Tulpa from Fright Fest last year. Because that, um, yeah. that just like the way the crowd turned on that film, um, it, it just it was all very. It was all very surreal, especially with what was actually happening on screen at the same time as well. It just like, and and like 
that the general atmosphere in the place seemed to, to turn a bit sour and, and that kind of kind of spread I, I i think um that would definitely be my weirdest um my my best uh is um uh, strangely probably it was it's between a couple um Definitely, um, seeing, seeing Saving Private Ryan on the, on the big screen was very good. You know, that is a very cinematic movie, and that opening half hour um, is, is, is incredible um, on, on the big screen. And bear in mind, we're now used to these big um, sweeping battle scenes where you're very much in the action, and, the, you know, they go on for ages, and it, it covers so much ground, but, you know... Then we hadn't seen that many of these type, or I and I especially hadn't, you know, seen that many of that type um, of action scenes. You know, I'd not got, I'd not got into um, Kurosawa's things by then. Those things were beyond me. Uh, and I remember going to see that with my my um, father, um, and we came out of it, and both of us were a little bit kind of, we were like shaking a little bit after the film, and we're like, that was, that was really fucking good, and that, you know. All these years later, I have a lot of issues with Saving Private Ryan now. Um, but, you know, I mean, cinema, it's an incredibly... Um, it's an incredible experience seeing that film on a big screen with, you know, an outstanding you know, speaker system and, you know, a, a massive screen. That's good. So that's up there. Um, seeing... Um, I, I, the week before I saw Saving Private Ryan, I saw um, Thin Red Line again with my uh, father as well at the cinema, um, and that that took my uh, my love of cinema to a new level because I was absolutely yeah. just transfixed by the fact that this film was just so incredibly beautiful. Um, seeing Apocalypse Now on the big screen is always amazing. I've seen the big screen four or five times. Um, and that's always brilliant. And one of the other ones was um, a film called Slice that we saw at um, Grim. Oh, Grimfest. Uh, yeah. And there's a reveal moment in it. Um, and me and you both in unison sat forward and went, fucking hell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why audibly. <laughs> uh, that was that that was that was pretty good because that that film did great movie and that reveal is you know is fucking that hits you pretty fucking hard so I'd, I'd say those um, and my absolute worst um, was um, during not the worst film but the, during the worst cinema experience I ever had was probably during the Green Mile some guy um Another bit where he doesn't wet the sponge. Yeah. Every mile he puts his head and it's, everything starts going wrong there. Some guy who, and obviously had a little bit too much to drink, was going, oh, that's bullshit, man. That's fucking, that won't happen. Ah, oh, and was just laughing constantly. Um, and it's quite a, you know, if you invest in the movie, it's quite an emotional part of the movie. Um, which uh, led me to get quite pissed off with him, and I uh, might have thrown a milkshake at him, and it might have hit him in the face. And he was quite a big guy. Nice. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> yeah. One of my best moments, and it was across. Uh, it was across aisle as well. I, oh bloody hell! Um, I don't know. A similar one for me might, like in terms of worst, might have just been um, seeing it's kind of a funny story oh, yeah. um, at the the Cineworld in Cardiff, where I got so angry at the fucking film that I chucked a not finished coffee at the screen. Um, and the the only other person in there just like basically like turned around, had a look at me, and then just sat down again. I think they were just going, "Yep, fair enough." <laughs> yeah, um, that was fucking brutal. Probably, I, I swear I'm leaving something out, and I'm going to kick myself. But um, the the best for me was probably seeing the Social Network um a uh, a good week early um in a screen to myself. Um, back when I uh, worked at View and I was able to um, preview prints and just like just by myself on a Friday night, like like and getting paid for it as well. Um, that was fucking sweet. Just being able to take in the social network, which is still my favorite film in this decade so far, you know, and and, and just having that experience was pretty fucking amazing frankly yeah i mean i, I remember another one i favorite was i remember when um the film kids came out um i was very much into kind of controversial cinema at the time um, and it was banned in the uk um and the the city screen in york used to be in a different venue and in that venue they they happened to get a copy of it and were showing it and then bear in mind this film was banned in the uk and wasn't released um and they were going to show it there, and it was, it's an 18, and I think I was maybe 13 at the time, and mm. um, I remember my sister saying, oh, I've got, I've got a ticket to go and see that kid's movie you want to go and see. Uh, I remember saying, oh, yeah, but it's an 18, and, you know, there's no way I'm going to be seeing, you know, there's no way I'm going to get in. And my sister just going, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll try it, we'll try it, we'll chance it. Um, I remember getting there, walking up and sort of being, you know, being very much resigned to the fact that I wasn't seeing this movie. There was no way I was getting into this movie. And then as we were walking up um, to the the counter to my my sister to give them the ticket to let us in, I noticed that the usher um, was my uh, sister's best friend. And at that moment, I was like, I'm actually going to see this fucking film. Mm. And just walked in and just went like that, gave the tickets, and we went in. And the worst thing was, the my sister's best friend at the time lived with us. And had got the job there about three weeks before, and they'd had to keep it from me just for this one moment, because my sister knew I wanted to see this film. Yeah. Uh, and bear in mind, me and my sister didn't get on at all at the time. It was a very strange moment for us both. Yeah, I bet. Um, so, yeah, so I, I got to see kids uh, like a, a good kind of like four or five years um, before it actually eventually got released on VHS in the UK. Nice. Uh, right, uh, I think that, that brings us to an end. I think we might have gone under the two-hour mark for once. Maybe. Uh, we've, maybe, we've, maybe. Editorial tinkering, maybe. Uh, <laughs> so... Um, you can get in touch with us uh, via Twitter um, at Dude and the Monkey, at Ian Loring, at Dude Foz, or via the email, um, uh, which is Dude and the Monkey at gmail.com. Uh, next week we'll be covering. What are we covering next week, Ian? Uh, 
Uh, fuck knows. Um, like, I don't know even though when I'm going to record, mate, to be honest. Yeah. It, um, we'll, we'll, we'll have to play that one by ear. We'll definitely play that by ear because Ian, Ian might be Moving House, and everybody knows Moving House is one of the most traumatic experiences a person can go through. Um, yeah. So... Again, we might have a brief little gap in between in between this. Um, all depends on, on, on how things shake out, but um, yeah, we'll be back within the next fortnight at least. Um, Definitely. So, yeah, and our next order storm will be Natural Born Killers. Uh, thank you Boom. very much for listening. iTunes reviews are always greatly received. Please.